I competed at Wadapalooza and I was in my own like little division. I had another uh, athlete that was with me. Her name is Natalie Bulay and she is an amputee, but she decided that she wanted to go with the scaled women because she's a badass. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So I ended up just competing pretty much by myself. And it was like this showcase, but people loved it. So I went up to Guido afterwards and I said, if I could get 10 friends or if I could get 10 guys and 10 girls to do this with me, would you let us compete? Would you let us have a division? And he said, yes. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to athlete and coach Steph Hammerman, better known online as Steph the Hammer. Steph was born with cerebral palsy, and since discovering CrossFit years ago, she's been a prominent force in the space as both a coach to all and an advocate for adaptive athletes. In many cases, that meant leading from the front by being the first person with CP to compete at numerous prominent events in the fitness and CrossFit spaces. In 2014, she became the first person with CP to earn a level two CrossFit certificate. Our conversation focuses on Steph's career in fitness, including some frank discussion of lower points and lessons learned, including when Steph had to close her gym during the COVID-19 pandemic. I do want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbed podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Steph, thanks so much for joining us today. We we scheduled this podcast a few weeks ago, and actually in the meantime, a lot has been happening in the fitness space, but one pretty big piece of news was that the CrossFit Games would be introducing an official adaptive division next year. So I'm, I'm curious if you kind of had a heads up on that as someone who's been involved uh, in multiple aspects of, of the sport before, or did you kind of find out with everyone else? Um... I definitely knew that something was coming. Uh, I didn't necessarily know how they were going to make an announcement. Uh, I didn't necessarily know, uh, and we don't really know all of the details that are going to happen, but it's been such an honor to be able to be so deeply rooted in the community that, you know, people would ask our um, insights and opinions of how things would break down. So uh, it, it was very exciting for it to come out public. And, you know, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from there. And it's certainly a certainly a long time coming, I would say. And, and you've been in the space uh, and around the space for a long time now. How long have you been involved in the CrossFit community? Just so I have that straight. Yeah, so I started doing CrossFit on May 3rd of 2012. Oh, you have the specific um, date. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. so I, I specifically remember the first time I entered a CrossFit gym, and it was such a special experience for me, that set, something that stuck with me, you know, this whole time. And then, you know, my journey progressed uh, rather quickly in the sense of making connections with people. And I kind of have this personality world where like, I'll just go up to anybody that'll talk to me. And I don't, I don't really care like 
who you are or how many followers you have or what kind of clout you have if you're a nice person and you know i feel like i could bring value to your life and vice versa i want to be friends with you and so um going through this community very early on i made connections with people that were just genuine friendship connections and over the years i've been able to you know kind of build those into a more professional relationship and at the end of the day i'm i'm so excited to see where this division is going to go and and you know whether i compete in it or not because i highly doubt that i'm going to um you know there are a lot stronger people out there than than myself and um my ultimate goal was not necessarily to compete but to help open doors for people that came after me now i have for i have to i have to comment on just going up to people and and starting to make friendships having lived in new york for a decade like i have that's like the most terrifying thing in the world for me is someone to come up and start <laughs> talking to me randomly but that's that's just an east coast thing i think i'm from uh, long island so i mean i i grew up in new york and i'm a, from a big jewish family so i think it just was i don't know it's part of my personality <laughs> You're you're a very brave you're a very brave person. I live in Brooklyn and I still I still wouldn't do that these days. Although in the age of social distancing, maybe that makes a little bit of sense. So that maybe you that never is know not. who you're going to meet. I challenge you to try to put yourself out there and meet three new people that you would never, you know, talk to in your life, and you'll never know what you can learn from them. So. Well, that's a good. Okay, that's a challenge. We'll, we'll that'll we'll set that aside as a challenge for, as a challenge for David uh, after go. after this podcast. I'll follow up with you on that. I will. There you go. Um, let's talk a little bit about you know. So this is the adaptive division in the CrossFit Games. We don't have all the information yet. We don't know. It kind of reminds me of when they announced masters and teens divisions. Like we didn't have all the info. It was like where where does the masters cutoff start? At first, it was forty, and then it was thirty five, and. I'm sure it will evolve. Nothing is going to be perfect the the first year. But when it comes to adaptive fitness competition, maybe not CrossFit branded, that is nothing new. That's something that we've seen at events, some of the biggest fitness events um, in the world for you know the past five, six years, maybe even longer. How has your involvement with those events as as an athlete and an advocate evolved over the years? Do you remember what your first one was and kind of how that of began? Of course. So I actually competed at the Crush Games in 2013. And then it was August of 2013 that I did Crush Games. Uh, I fell in love with the idea of, again, putting myself out there. I was the first adaptive athlete, the first person with CP doing what I was doing. I went up to the owner, um, I guess organizer, I should say, of the Crush Games. His name is Mike Osuna. And we are still to this day very close and didn't know him at the time. And I just went up to him and was like, hey, I know all of my scales for these workouts. If you wouldn't mind, like, I think it would be really cool. I don't have to compete in any division, so to speak, but I would just love to be able to show people what I'm capable of doing. So I sat down with him and I sat down with a friend of ours. His name was Brandon Fullwider. And again, we, we've all stayed very close. And we came up with this game plan and we contacted Rogue at the time. I told Rogue what I needed to make 
it work. And they built me like a custom little rig. Um, it was the first time I ever met Kenny Castro, who's Dave Castro's brother. And one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet in your life. And they just said, whatever you need, we'll make it work. Well, I did the crush games and it went really well. And that's actually like funnily enough, how I became Steph the hammer. I was doing this, like I was doing a clean and the workout was like a max lift. And I think my heaviest clean at the time was 36 pounds. And for most people, that's not a lot of weight. But for me, I was doing it for my knees. And Dylan Molitsky was the, the announcer. And I was about to try to clean 42 pounds for the first time. And I always feel like this moment was like, the ESPN kind of like top 10 moments, you know, I had five seconds left in the list and in the lift and the last second I made it. And he just screamed on the microphone, Steph, the hammer hammerman. And it just like went nuts. And so from that point forward, I just loved the energy of being involved. So, um, as they were getting ready for January for Wadapalooza, I got in contact with Guido and I was like, hey, I know you have no idea who I am. Um, I've never met you before, but I got your phone number from someone and I would love to compete just like I did um, at Crush Games. And he was like, yeah, let's let's do it. So I competed at Wadapalooza and I was in my own like little division. I had another uh, athlete that was with me. Her name is Natalie Buley and she is an amputee. But she decided that she wanted to go with the scaled women because she's a badass. And I was like, okay, that's cool. So I ended up just competing pretty much by myself. And it was like this showcase, but people loved it. So I went up to Guido afterwards and I said, if I could get 10 friends or if I could get 10 guys and 10 girls to do this with me, would you let us compete? Would you let us have a division? And he said, yes. And uh, with the help of Chris Doutenberg, who runs Wheelwad, we were very close and uh, he helped me program. He wasn't at the event that year, but he helped me program. We created this division and in 2015, it was the, the first division. Your, your natural aptitude for dates is super helpful, by the way, because not only when, when you ask most people, like when they started powerlifting or weightlifting or crossfit they'll be like oh it'll give you a range of like two years but you're like specific day and the first time i competed was this month this year and then this the second time my fiance like it's frustrating for him because i remember i remember all things and like certain dates like we met on the 17th of november so every 17th i do something like it's just you know i've just always had an, an aptitude for dates so I mean, it's, it's helpful here because we're talking about the history of something yeah. that, you know, is, is still in its, in its infancy, right? So, like, you know, we were talking about the, the first time you competed in 2013, fast forward over seven years later, and now we're talking about seeing this at, at the CrossFit Games. Now, that, again, it didn't happen overnight, but a lot of it was due to you putting yourself out there and you being willing to showcase your fitness because, look, that's the first thing that whenever anyone competes, I don't care if it's weightlifting or powerlifting or CrossFit, strongman, you name it. The scariest thing is not the weight on the bar the first time you compete. The scariest thing for a lot of people is it's the, it's the crowd. I remember my first weightlifting competition. I was like, I'm okay lifting this, but I have to do this in front of, in front of people. So doing that 
in your own division. I can't even imagine the kind of well what that what that took, but also the excitement because all eyes are on you. So when you hit a PR, it's like everyone's paying attention. Also, when you when you fail, it's like <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I think too, what's been so cool about the evolution of this, and I and I wrote this in the post that I wrote for you know I didn't mean for it to. Um, be really picked up by CrossFit but the one that got picked up was basically like there are so many people now that do such incredible things that like yes it's cool to watch somebody with CP do their thing but like you don't even know the amount of athletes with CP that can probably lift like six times more than I can. Right. So it's like, it's cool to be the first or whatever and be like this spearhead, but it's really, really cool to watch other people shine. And I think that's what's so special about our group of friends, because in reality, that's how it started was it became this connection where, you know, I, I came in contact with Chris Stoutenberg and then uh, he was in contact with our friend Angel Gonzalez and Angel was out in Texas. Stouty's in Canada. And then all of a sudden Kevin Ogar gets hurt and we reach out to Kevin. And I remember reaching out to Kevin being like, Hey dude, I know it sucks right now, but I want to be your friend. And you know, not even, you know, a year later, we all end up in this space together and it's just magic right? So like people look at us and they're like, oh man, it's so inspiring or whatever. But like we look at each other and, and we're building each other up. We're not necessarily inspired by each other's just like everyday lives. We're motivated by what everyone's able to, to physically do and show the world like it's not about these different abilities. It's really about what we can fucking do together, you know? And like, that's what I think is really cool is we've never once really lost sight of the fact that like, it's not a monkey show, right? Like we're not a, we're not a circus act, you know, we're, we're athletes that, that want to really compete and want to have the opportunity. And now that, you know, these athletes, like I said, it might not be myself. It, it may not be Stouty and it may not be the people that, you know, were the, I guess you'd say foundation, but we're helping to kind of push that forward and giving people the opportunity to compete is really, really special. And so it's really nice to be heard. I'm curious when along your the journey of the past eight years, okay, May 2012 to, to now, when you decided that you wanted to pursue coaching, because that's I know that's your profession these days. You're CrossFit level two or are you level three? I'm level two. Uh, I, I actually signed up for my level three, just uh, haven't completed my level three yet. But um, so my coaching actually happened very early on in my CrossFit journey because in 2012, I started CrossFit and then the summer of, so I had graduated college uh, a couple weeks later, or I think like that weekend later, I graduated in May 12th, I think it was. Again, and again with the dates, <laughs> it's, it's, imp it's impeccable. It's so weird. I, I, it's just in my head, but I ended up uh, going for my master's degree in college student affairs. So I wanted to be um, a higher ed professional. I loved student affairs and I loved housing and I wanted to 
be, uh, you know, uh, an RA, but uh, ahead of like the student body or whatever. That's what I really wanted to do in the beginning. Well, I got into my program and I felt like nobody understood me. Like I was coming to my evening classes with like grilled chicken and like, you know, my chopped up vegetables and everything was like weighed out. And I was like doing my thing and I was doing really good with my journey. And I just felt like nobody ever like truly got me. And then I had the opportunity to work for my campus rec. And I was the first physically challenged um, individual to actually get a job working for the gym. And at first they didn't want to give me the job. And I was like, just let me prove to you that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, let me prove to you that I can handle this. And cause it was a lot of running around. It was a 110,000 square foot facility. And they really like, they, they were just so nervous that I wasn't going to be able to do it. Well, I did it. And I really, really, really enjoyed my job. I got up very early. I did the morning shift, 5 a.m. shift, and then I would do the late evening shifts. And little by little, I started realizing that I truly just loved being around people. And I loved talking fitness with people. Even, you know, the 65-year-old man that would walk into the gym at 5 a.m. and do his workout, like it was just nice to be able to have that interaction. Well, I, I went to the dean of my college and I was like hey we have to do this internship right and she's like yes and I said uh would you allow me to go do an internship at a CrossFit gym and she's like well let me think about it so she thought about it for like a week and I was like I was like man I, I really 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 want to do this and she's like, okay, if you can prove to me that there's like some correlation between student affairs and coaching, like we'll make it work. Well, I met, um, I met uh, David Wallach, we call him chef uh, from CrossFit Rubicon in Virginia. Uh, I ended up meeting him and then Jason Sturm, who was one of his athletes, but also one of his coaches. So I went to visit their gym and I just fell in love with it. And so after visiting their gym for a weekend, he looked at me and he said, uh, you know, you're going to be a coach someday. And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, you really think I can do this? And he says, not only do I think you can do it, he says, you're going to work for me. And four months later, April 13, uh, April in 2013, I ended up moving to Virginia and I worked for him for four months. And I actually failed my first level one. A lot that happens uh, to a lot of people, by the way. I was it's, it's like a driving the, test. Yeah, I was the worst coach only because I was regurgitating information. I wasn't actually learning, so I was just like, "Yeah, if I say this, you know, it's going to be right." And I was making so many mistakes that at one point, Chef was just like, "You got to be yourself." Like make your own, you know, stick kind of thing and like figure it out. And he's like, you're going to be great. Just like calm down. So I passed my, my level one and uh, I guess made some history, which was cool. And uh, I just kind of fell in love with it from there. So what is your, what is your coaching practice look like now? I mean, we're, we're in the age where a lot of people are coaching, are coaching virtually. I know that's a component yeah. of what you do, but what is, what is, what is coaching for, what is Steph's coaching look like now? What type of athletes do you uh, work with and how many? Um, so, uh, 
I had a CrossFit gym in North Carolina and unfortunately due to COVID had to close it down. It was only two years old, um, but I was really proud of the community that we had built. And when COVID happened in March, I came up with this, you know, just idea that I was like, hey, I can't lose some of my members. Like I was losing so many. And I was like, how do I, how do I fix it? So I basically just created my whiteboard virtually and I did everything verbally anyway. So I would be like, David, you uh, show me how to do an air squat and you're going to show Susan how to do it. Right. And I'm going to talk you through it. And it just became so natural because that's how I did it anyway, that it just worked. So we ended up closing Hammer Driven and we started staying driven. Uh, it just naturally came to, to become a thing. But what I didn't expect was my members were sticking around. I still have probably eight or nine members from Hammer Driven, but people from all over the world were, were hopping into my class. And 95% of my population now is adaptive. That is, that is impressive. Like, I mean, how did, how were people finding you? I know that a lot of folks have struggled in the transition. You're on, you know, unfortunately you're not the, not the first person I've talked to who's had to close a gym during COVID, but transitioning from like, okay, the gym's closed to how do I build the audience online? Where were these people finding you? Honestly, like I actually got out of my own way. So a little tidbit that some people don't know about me is like, I was super afraid of people with different abilities. I never wanted to be associated with them. I never wanted to be associated with any other people with CP. Like I just grew, I grew up in a very like quote unquote normal able-bodied family and a normal able-bodied community that like I just felt like I never fit in and then I found my CrossFit adaptive community and I was like hold on a second these people are are like me (laughs) you know and I kind of like found my groove so when we started staying driven my grandparents actually were the ones that said to me Uh, They have an organization at NYU Hospital that they helped build when I was seven years old. They started the Initiative for Women with Disabilities out of NYU Hospital. And they came to me and they said, I know you're running these classes, um, but these women have nowhere to go. And there's hundreds of them and they have nowhere to go. So I was like, okay. Like, why don't we just build a class time for them? And so I built a separate class time for these women. And I learned very quickly, like, what they were capable of doing. And I just started running classes. And then the words started getting out. And so now we run individual memberships where, like, you can join as an individual member. And then let's say, I don't know, let's just use, like, a random organization I don't know. Let's just say Wheelwad wanted to sign up for a membership. They would pay a certain amount of money a month and all of their members could come to a class. So it was a really interesting but kind of fluid way of just doing what I loved. It sounds like a lot of, I mean, basically word of mouth, word of mouth marketing, which is, the, which is the magic ingredient in everything in fitness that yeah. works. Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. I mean, and that's the thing where you think about social media platforms and I think I have like 23,000 people that follow me on 
on Instagram. And at first that number seems like, oh my God, it's so important. Like I have to keep it up. And sometimes it can be really frustrating because you're just like, why am I not getting more or what am I doing wrong? Right. And we put so much emphasis on like the number of followers that we have, but we forget that in real life, we're actually affecting people's lives, you know? And I think that's where it's not about the number of people that follow me. It's literally the number of people that are telling me every day, coach Steph, like I learned how to do X, Y, Z because we, we started doing this, you know, eight months ago. And like, so at the end of the day, you're just to be like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, it's not, it's not about the 150 pounds on a bar. It's about like people learning how to stand up and sit down on their own or have, you know, a stronger core. So I think I'm, I'm just super proud of the community that we've been able to build. Where, where do you see yourself taking staying driven as like, what's, what's the next stage of staying driven? I would, I would guess. I mean, my ultimate goal is that people find more confidence in themselves and, and, you know, they realize that they can do more. I think that there's always going to be, whether it's COVID or something else, you know, there's always going to be people that just want to be functional. They don't necessarily want to be competitive or, you know, stack themselves up against people. So I think my ultimate goal is to just open the doors to as many people as possible, just because, you know, the word adaptive is linked to sometimes people in chairs doesn't necessarily mean that you have to use a wheelchair, right? Like the person that comes in and they're 350 pounds and they just want to have a day one, like you're going to treat that person differently than you would the person that's been doing CrossFit for eight years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, we get caught up in, in the, in following the CrossFit games and in the media aspect of it, we get caught up in the, in the elite and it is, it's easy to lose the side of the forest through the trees. You kind of, well, it's like, well, 99% of people who are using CrossFit as a fitness methodology or any fitness as a methodology aren't going to compete most likely. And many of them have no plans of competing, right? So what are you really producing this service for, right? You're not going to produce the next CrossFit Games winner all the time. They're not just going to walk into your gym, right? You're just, okay, how are you helping people get a little bit better each and every day? And so it seems like, um, I know, unfortunately, some coaches have lost sight of that. I know some are very in tune with that. What are some things that you do to receive feedback or have conversations with your clients and with your community, you know, outside of the normal sessions? Yeah. So there's a big, there's a big misconception because I think that there was a rule in the beginning of like the earlier CrossFit days that like coaches shouldn't be cheerleaders, right? Like we've heard that a lot, like coaches are not cheerleaders and, and vice versa, but there is a fine line between supporting your athletes right? And just being a straight up cheerleader. I truly make an effort and all of my coaches do to point out correction, but to also point out things that are amazing accomplishments, right? And even the smallest of things for somebody that has like, I'll tell you a really cool story. I work with a little boy. He's 11 years old. Okay. He's nonverbal and he has spastic cerebral palsy. 
Uh, I'd say he's a little bit more, uh, I'd say he's very functional, but uh, he just cannot use his words without communicating with an external device. So when you initially see him, if you don't have a background in knowing what the athlete needs, you could just automatically, you know, kind of push them to the side. But what I think is so special about our community is that we never let that happen, right? And so with LJ, one of the things that we worked on with him, I remember after our first class, I asked him, said, hey, bud, I said, is putting on your shoes something important to you? And, you know, it took him a couple minutes to respond to me because he uses a, an external device. And he said, yes, it would be very cool. And so I've spent multiple sessions with him really just teaching him how to put his shoes on. And it's not necessarily because it's my job, but it's because I see potential in him, right? So I think as coaches, we need to remember that your athletes are people, and yes, there are that 1% that want to go to the games, but the rest of your athletes just want to be better. They just want to be fitter people. They just want to be more uh, capable of doing things for themselves. And I think that's what's really special about our community and kind of what sets it apart is I take the athlete from never doing fitness ever in their life to realizing like, hey, I can do more. Right. And, you know, I think that's kind of what sets us apart. I don't know if that was how to answer your question, but no, I think that was incredible. It was an incredibly illustrative example because it's, it's, there's, you're right. There's this line between cheerleader and coach. And in the early days of the CrossFit community, people really wanted to like take a bold Sharpie and put it down the page. But at the same time, it's the coach's responsibility to help people get better. Encouragement or or giving folks a glimpse into their potential is sometimes necessary for them to actually be able to take that next step or to take that next to hit that next level of self exploration. So, uh, I think it's a really good example. Actually, I think it's a good example of of that. And sometimes it's not intuitive, right? Sometimes it's not about getting someone their first muscle up. Sometimes it's about getting someone to come back consistently. Or to make it more of a, some a part of their. I mean, you're you're you've been a coach for a while. You've dealt with this, trying to get members to actually make it like a consistent thing. Yeah, and I think too, it's like it gives you this sense of if the people show up every day, you also know when they're sandbagging. You also know when they're not having a great day, or that they can push themselves more. You know, and so I've especially through COVID, I've learned that you can adapt anything, right? You can take a can of soup and you can, you can make it hurt, right? You can, you can, uh, you can take a pillow and you can make a real workout out of it. So I think it's kind of just kind of getting out of our own way, if that makes sense. And I, I think the other thing that I'm super proud of is the staff and community that we did build, because I, I really actually struggled with that in the physical location. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. Owning a gym was really, really, really hard. And, and I thought, I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but I think that part of me thought, like everyone was telling me it would be an awesome opportunity to own a gym and it's the greatest thing ever. And, and it was great. Don't get me wrong but it was very hard. And I think I assumed like Steph, the hammer is going to open a gym and everyone's going to come into it. 
And that wasn't, that wasn't the case. We struggled. We struggled really hard. And I think doing this virtual thing, even though it was a shift, it's been the best thing to ever happen to me emotionally, mentally, physically, like, you know, I've been through, I've been through some shit. And, you know, I think that, uh, uh, I don't know. I think it's helping me find my own purpose again. Four years ago, when, when I was diagnosed with cancer, like I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know where that was going to go and what I was going to do. And, you know, I look back at it now and I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. That's, um, I mean, it's, let me put it this way. I'm very glad that we were able to connect at this point because I think during 2020, I've scheduled a lot of podcasts. We do two a week at Barb and it's been a year where we catch people really on a, on, you know, we have peaks and valleys and we've caught people in valleys this year and it's been tough. So to hear that you're kind of in this renaissance of your own fitness journey as a fitness professional, it's, it's really nice to hear. It's really nice to hear that out of something that's difficult, like closing a gym, you've been able to, I don't know if it's reinvention or recentering, but it's nice that you've, you're able to kind of express this newfound or refound, rediscovered enthusiasm for something that you're clearly very passionate about. So that's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I mean, like I said, I don't know if I'm answering all your questions, but... A lot of them, I mean, half of these aren't questions. Half of these are kind of like, what do you think about this? But I, I think that... um you know, I think it's a good time to be having these conversations. And I think right now, a lot of like fitness is virtual, right? And hearing about your experiences as a coach, helping people navigate that, having helping a community navigate that, that maybe a lot of our listeners haven't thought of. I think it's really important. I think it's really yeah, impactful. Do like people ask me, you know, I've been asked before, like, I'm thinking about opening a gym. This is, this is what I'll say. And uh, for some people, it could be a great idea. Uh, I learned and I learned some very hard lessons that I'm a very good people person, but owning a four walled business with a lot of overhead can be extremely difficult. And I'm not, I learned a lot about understanding my own value um, and undervaluing myself because I did that. I did I did that very, very much so. And uh, looking back at it, I learned a lot. And if you're looking to open a gym, just make sure that you understand, you know, kind of what you're getting into and, and your own value and what things, you know, your time costs and all of that stuff. Because if you undervalue yourself, people are just going to go with it. And it's not going to be malicious. It's just, that's kind of how it happens. You know, well, Steph, where is the best place for people to stay up to date with what you're doing, as as well as uh, staying driven and and where you're taking uh, that program next? Cool. Well, if people want to follow me on social media, it's just Steph the Hammer, just as it sounds. Um, and then with staying driven, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Staying Driven Fitness, or you could go to StayingDrivenLive.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you sharing sharing a lot. We covered a lot of ground. <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>